Hello and welcome to another Fools Media Group production of the Networking Fools with your Networking Fools and hosts, J.W. Nigerian and Bob Schechter as they discuss business, finance, and lifestyle. This is part one of two of a SpeakingOfVeterans.com audio production. J.W. Nigerian with the Networking Fools, uh, along with Bob Schechter, and uh, we're really excited today because we have the author, Mark Leiden, who wrote the book, um, Veterans Do This, Get Hired, and we're really excited about that because both Bob and I, uh, I'm actually a vet, and uh, Bob has a son who's a veteran, and we're very much into veterans' affairs and veterans' issues, and... um, Mark has written this book. There's a lot of uh, great books out there and a lot of information on the web about getting a job. But Mark, who is a um, Fortune 500, uh, excuse me, Fortune 50 company um, recruiter, has put down all the information that he has gathered over the years to help vets get hired. And so we're really excited to get some information from him. His book is, uh, I've been able to read a copy of it. And I believe it's exceptional. I've been a hirer in the past. And all the information he gave here, I was, I was getting ready to read this, Bob, and, uh, and just see all the same old, you know, crap that we read and everything else and all the stuff we see on the web just repackaged. And to my amazement, surprise, and uh, thank goodness, it wasn't at all like that. It was incredible tips and facts and uh, explanations on, on how to and the, the seven top tips for how to get yourself, uh, you know, not only in front of the recruiter, but what to do when you're there and what to do in the interview and what to do afterwards. So anyway, Mark, I want to welcome you to the show. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, Mark Leiden has uh, been a professional lead recruiter for a Fortune 50 company for nearly 15 years. In his recruiting career, he has recruited for small, medium, and large companies. Mark has screened, taught, mentored, and interviewed thousands of candidates and has presented job search seminars around the country. His extensive experience in this difficult job market gives him the unique insight and expertise to teach the best ways, the proven ways to approach every major step of the job search process so veterans have the best chance of being hired. And, you know, usually I read these bios, Mark. Right. Um, Yours is true. This book is amazing. Yeah, it's very true. (laughs) It's amazing. Uh, yeah, thank you for something needed out. to be done. We we gotta we gotta help people, specifically vets, just learn what they need to do to get hired. And it's the information that's out there right now is not helping them. If it was, uh, we wouldn't see you know twenty seven percent unemployment uh, as quoted by the Washington Post for those uh, veterans in their twenties. I mean that's just alarming. Oh, it's 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 crazy alarming. I, I was just I visited the Bureau of Labor and Statistics to to check out the statistics, and in all cases, um, for all <clears throat> for all vets of, of all the different wars, uh, they have higher unemployment rates uh, than any anybody else out there. And to me, this is embarrassing. Uh, this is a highly skilled set of people who have uh, put their life on the line for our country, and they just shouldn't be treated this way. That's what made me write the book right there. Uh, look, I'm not a writer. I'm not a professional writer. I just saw that there was a, a, a great hole uh, in, in understanding what vets actually need to do to get hired. Um, and that's really why I decided to, like, brave the world and come in with a book. But one of the... 
there was a, a few goals to the book. One, it needed to be short enough so people wouldn't pick it up and say, I don't want to read 400 pages, and I don't want to talk about 101 different things that I can try. I just want what works the best. And so that's what this book is about. It's a comprehensive, easy-to-follow guide that steps the vet through the process from the beginning part of writing their resume all the way up to negotiating salary. Yeah, it was like 75 or so, or I think 80 pages altogether. I read it in a few hours, but it was, to my amazement, it was just packed full of information. Um, I mean, laid out very easy, very easy to follow. It has stories, it has examples. Um, I mean, you, just the way you talk about how to follow up, when to follow up, how to follow up. I mean, you've laid out everything here. There's nothing that this book, when I read it, you know, there was nothing where I said, there's no time I said, wow, he left this out or he didn't explain this well enough. None of that occurred. I was very, uh, I was very inspired after reading this book, and I think this is the kind of book that every veteran needs to, to have in their pocket. Um, I mean, you've, you've been out there. You're, you're, first of all, you're a top 50 recruiter. Sure. Okay. okay. Yeah. You've, you've seen all the information out on the web. You've read all the books. I'm sure right. you've uh, checked out all the information over and over again. Um, what makes your book different? I, I love this question. I wish more people would ask me it. I can honestly tell you that it's different for many reasons, but let's just get down to the brass tacks of why, why your audience should have take a leap of faith and say that this guy's advice is better or more effective. Here's the thing. Right now, I'm the Fortune 50 recruiter right now. I'm out in the job market every single day seeing live, real time, who's hiring, why they're hiring, what they're hiring for, and the biggest thing, why are they hiring one individual over another? How is it that we can go to things like a job fair and a hundred people can stand in line or two hundred people and yet only ten of them get interviews and only three of them get hired. What, what is, what are those three giving the employer or the potential employer that the other candidates are not, the vast majority are not? So that's what my book gives you. It gives the real time data essentially, the real reaction of what is working in this difficult job market, what you have to do to get hired. And that's primarily the difference. You and I can go back and take a look at the people that write these books or write articles on the Internet, and I would, uh, I would ask everybody just check the source. Do they really have experience in the market going out and actually seeing candidates eye to eye and interviewing them and screening them? Do they know what the difference between a good and a great candidate is, can they see that like I can see it in three minutes? Well, let's just, let's just ask that uh, question to you. Um, what makes you a subject matter expert? I know you're a recruiter, but you know, you're, are you recruiting you know, for uh, the top uh, ten executive types? What makes you an expert in hiring vets? So what I do is I recruit from the college level all the way up through uh, people with 30 years of experience. Mm -hmm. When I go to career events, uh, one second I could have a college junior in front of me looking for a summer internship, 
and the next second, the next person in line is a veteran that just got out of the service after 20 years and wants to get a, a job. So the, the neat thing is I see all of the groups from college all the way up to really seniors that still need to work. I just got a, a, a call from a woman who's 64 years old and she's going to be laid off because the company is going out of business. And she says, right. I need another job. I, I just don't have the money to retire yet. And she hadn't updated her resume since the early 90s. So what makes me a subject, subject matter expert is because I'm actually out in the trenches every day. I see what all the companies are doing. I evaluate what they're doing as part of my job to understand what the market is because, remember, I'm in competition to get the best candidates. So I need to know what other co all the other companies that are my competitors are doing and then what the trends are. Okay, so so um, that's the difference. Okay, so as a professional recruiter, in your professional opinion, why is the unemployment rate for vets significantly higher? Yeah, it's a great question. The answer is simply this language barrier the what? The, pe the people that come out of the military uh the veterans they are used to the military way because that's the way that they've lived at least a significant portion of their life now if a veteran's been out for 10 years usually it's not that big of a deal they've acclimated already but if it, no matter what the age is if somebody is just getting out of the military especially within let's say the last five years mm -hmm. what they understand what it takes to communicate in the military, how they should present themselves, what the, how they need to approach a problem, what the correct chain of command is, what the language is, and right. everything else. It's all else. laid out for you. And as a veteran, I know it's all laid out for you. It's, it's, it's all laid out. You're, 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 you're taught to work as a team, and now you're an individual out there in the market. Right. So now what happens is they get back. And they say, okay, I want to go and get a job. I want to get out into the civilian job workforce for the most part. It's all civilian jobs. I mean, there's a few that go to the DOD and stuff like that, and that's fine. But for the most part, the vast majority is, is going to be with a, with a company that's a civilian company. That's and actually a, you know, there's a misnomer. <clears throat> there's a kind of a myth there. A lot of people think that a, a lot of military or the vast majority of military is uh, employed by the government. That is not the case. That is absolutely not true. You are correct. And, but a lot of people think that. A lot of people say, yeah, vets just go into like the federal government and the Department of Defense and stuff like that. They absorb them. Mm -hmm. That's not true. It's, it's such a low percentage. It's ridiculous. So most of the jobs are actually with regular companies. Just like if we were a candidate, a civilian candidate, we would just look at regular everyday companies. When they go up to these companies, they know how to approach them in the way that the military has taught them, but not in the way that the civilian employers are looking for. There's a difference in language. When you, when you approach a company, either at a booth or a company rep or send them your resume, whatever it is, whenever you approach, those people are trained to see certain things in your language and how you present yourself either on paper or in person, and they are looking for those things in their head. And you're either going to give it to them or you're not. And even though if you have great skills, if you don't know how to verbally and, uh, and, and in writing present those skills in the way that they think, 
the employers think or that they want to see, you'll never get called. And that's why unemployment is so high. We are not teaching the vets that are getting out or that have been out, we're not teaching them how to present their skills in a way that speaks directly to civilian employers. Right. And there's another issue that you had, we had talked about earlier before this uh, interview. Sure. Uh, and that's about um, the new way that employers are having everybody apply online. Yeah, and we, we can certainly get into that now if we could, because that's a, a very, very important chapter in yeah, my yeah. book. I, I want to make it clear real quick, Mark, two things. Yeah. First of all, uh, we don't make a dime from the sale of your book. Right. Okay. Uh, if it's, this sounds like an, in, uh, I just want to tell everybody, if this sounds like an infomercial for Mark to sell his <laughs> book, it is absolutely yeah. not. Uh, we're here to give out really good information, and we want to help vets. And this book is just an, um, this is an amazing book that I really think that you really need to look at, it, especially if you're looking for a job, need to change jobs, you're a veteran, you're having difficulty. This book has the information you will need to get ahead, and we're going to talk about that. And, and one of the things is applying online. Uh, yeah, and JW and Bob, let me tell you what, there's going to be skeptics out there. You know, there are going to be people that say, um, you know, I'm just going to do it my way or I'm going to go on the Internet, whatever. I, I would say go do it. Go do whatever way you, you feel is, is the best way to get a job. But listen, when you're not successful or if you're having trouble, just remember my name. Remember the book and give it a try. One of the things that I wanted to do, so both of you, as long as we're talking about, this is an infomercial for the book. I want to sell books. I want to raise money for charity. That's all good. Everybody knows that. But here's the thing is, when we priced the book, I know that I needed to price it so that people would actually buy it. Veterans would buy it. Veterans that don't have a lot of money. And so what I wanted to say is, how much does it really cost, like if we went out for pizza? When was the last time you took your wife or you went out with your kids for pizza? That's more than 20 bucks right there. Mm -hmm. So what I wanted to do is make it so that you could get it shipped to you for under 20 bucks so that you would actually take a chance and saying, well, nothing else has worked, so I might as well just give this a shot. And that's right. what I'm uh, – there's going to always be skeptics. All I can say absolutely. is – Absolutely. And in a few months – We'll have you back, uh, and hopefully we'll have a whole bunch of testimonials to well, end right. this. In the meantime, to a certain extent, it, it, it is a leap of faith um, yeah. that JW's read it. I, I'm at a disadvantage. I haven't gotten to it yet. But, yeah. but I, I do know that you and I have been connected on the veteran site for a while. Um, yeah. Your credibility is, is exceptional. And there's... Uh, one thing I want to make sure we're clear on is that this is not a, a condemnation of every recruiter that's out there. It's not that they're stupid and that they don't recognize the value in veterans. I think it's yeah. more a matter of really what you were leading to, which is so much of this is done automatically and online and by rote that uh, much of the the nuances of hiring have been taken away from so many of these people that it's up to the veteran to actually make sure that they've put the right things that are going to trigger these flags in front of right. these people. And, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that this is just not just a here's how you write your resume no. type of book. <laughs> it's the whole package because there's a social component. It is, there's and a, you know, the funny thing is, is that I always, 
I hesitated on my first book. I hesitated on my second book putting the resume chapter in the beginning. I mean, it needs to be in the beginning because that really is where the whole thing starts. But let me tell you what, writing resumes, that's not a sexy topic. It's kind of boring. I mean, it's not like, oh, my gosh, we're going to learn about how to write a resume today. I mean, no one really cares about that other than they want to get it done, they want to get it done right. But here's the thing. I always challenge them. I said, hey, did you know this? Did you know this about your resume? I'm, I'm giving them tips that click the switch in the mind of the recruiter, right? Click the switch in the mind of the hiring manager, the person that's in power to make the decision. So my tips click the switch. Not everybody's tips do that. And that's the difference just in that one chapter about, you know, talking about resumes, certainly not overly exciting. You read that chapter on on how I tell you to present resumes. I'm going to give you a specific example, okay, in the resume chapter since, since everybody thinks that's a boring topic. Let me tell you this. Did you know, you two guys, did you know that the way veterans are writing their resume, no matter where they're going, the way that the resumes are being written by veterans is completely obsolete. Completely obsolete. Right. Now, why is that obsolete? How can I make that statement? Justify that statement. Okay, here you go. There's only two places, there's only two times in your career when, when you, like JW, if you sat down and you wrote a resume, Mm-hmm. And you were a veteran, which you are. But let's say you were writing your resume. You've got to get your resume updated and you're looking for a job. You write that resume, and I'm telling you right now that that resume is obsolete the day that you wrote it, except for two cases. If you go to a job fair where there's going to be a whole lot of companies and you don't know what position that you're going to be applying to, Right. That is when you take that resume that you just wrote. That's called your base resume. That's when you can use it. It's a general overview of all of your skills. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's the first time that you use it. The second time that you use it, and only tw- two times you use it, is if somebody calls you up on the phone or emails you and says, Hey, listen, i got a buddy that might have some kind of opening for you. I'm not quite sure what it's about, but can you send me over your resume? Those are the only two times that you will ever use that resume, JW, because if you use that resume in anything, any other place except for those two, two indications or those two situations, you will nine times, well, 99 times out of 100 not get called back because the resume does not match the particular job that you're applying to enough so that you would get the attention of the employer to call you back. It's simple. Well, Mark, this this particular tip, uh, those are, there are many tips in here that are that, that when I read it, I was like, oh, my God, I never even thought of that. Yeah. This particular tip is not new. Um, right. The problem is with this, this particular tip is that it's probably the biggest number one mistake that people writing their resume make. Right. I hire an IT for years. Um, I used to coach people on writing a resume for a particular job. There's nothing worse than walking into a recruiter and asking him, so what does your company do? Right. I mean, it, it, Google it for God's sakes. You know, I I mean, know. Know, the, know the recruiter's name. You right. know, have your, have your resume written up so that it, it, it actually matches what you're trying to accomplish at this job. 
That's exactly right, and here's the thing, J.W., it's easy for me to tell you, okay, well, these are only the two things you got. It doesn't match the job. And But here's the thing. I go one step further, and here's another difference, okay. is I tell you exactly seven steps to follow to do it. So not only do I tell you what to do and explain the logic behind it, but then I give you actually the technique to do it to solve the problem, and that is where we, we talk about uh, how to apply online. And there's what I call the seven critical steps that you need to know in order to apply online. Those I'm not going to give away steps. your steps, but, but let me say this. Yeah. Uh, quick tip number one on resumes. That made so much sense to me, and I've never thought of it before, but I, I worked with a woman named Ann Convery who's yes. going to do an interview with us, and she talks about this very subject. It, it's about... It's about how numbers stick out as opposed to yeah. um, a, a descriptions. And you read the book. You're, this is a, an incredible tip. That it makes a huge difference in your resume. Well, it does, and, and we certainly can talk about that because there, I give a tip in there that's actually a little mathematical equation that that completely changes your resume in, in, in a small period of time. And that's the... That's the thing that I was talking about, burden rate. Do you guys mm -hmm. know what burden rate is? Have you ever heard of that term? No, since I read your book, I do. <laughs> okay. So for Bob, have you heard uh, burden rate? No, no, I haven't. And, and oh. that's okay, so like let's talk about that for a second. Is that okay, JW, to talk absolutely, about that for a second? Absolutely. We, we, want, we want to give the, the vets as uh, much, as much uh, uh, good information as we can here. Yeah. We, we really <laughs> want to pick your brain more than just the book. Because obviously the book's a leap of faith, right, and it's going to be based on you. Right. So let, let's get down to the meat of who you are, okay. and, and go ahead and explain this one thing, and then i got a bunch yeah. of questions. Yeah, so the numbers, though, the tip that he's talking about is actually a tip that I have in the book. It's called Quick Tip, uh, tip 2. And basically what it is, it's, uh, it tells you that numbers are king. When, when an employer looks at your resume, they want to see that you accomplish something. They want to see that you performed in a positive way. So in order for you to get their attention quickly, you should always have percentages and um, dollars, uh, dollars saved, increases, decreases in percentages. You see what I'm saying? Um, how much time you saved and uh, broken down into hours. Whatever, whenever you have an idea or if you're part of a project um, or you're leading a team, I want to know what the solution was or what did the team do, and then how does it relate to numbers? The reasoning behind that is because companies love to see employees that will come in and that will increase their bottom line. And you can increase their bottom line by, of course, making more money, but you can also increase their bottom line by saving time and lowering or hiring percentages depending on what the metrics is. So this particular, what's called the burden rate, is a great mathematical calculation, very simple to use, because mm -hmm. people come up to me and they say, well, Mark, you know, we saved, we, me and the team, uh, we got on a project and we saved like a 100 hours of time, of, uh, of people's time, and yet we don't know how much money we saved. Right. And so what I do is I give you a calculation how you calculate that out. Let me give you an example. Let's say, for example, you saved 50 hours, okay? Mm -hmm. 50 hours, and you say, well, I don't know how much money that saved the company. If you, if you save somebody, anyone in the company, that amount of time, what you do is you take the number of hours, let's, in this case, 50, 
and you times it by what's called the burden rate. Now, the burden rate is the actual cost that the company incurs when it employs you. So it, in, it, it includes your, not only your salary, but it includes the electricity, your desk, your computer, the phone line, your insurance, all your benefits, every single thing that goes in, floor space, See, every single cost that goes into sitting you down or having you as an employee, that's what's called the burden rate. Right. Now, in most companies, believe it or not, the burden rate is $100 or more an hour. Mm-hmm. And if you take a look at all the benefits and stuff like that, $100 is easy to calculate, so that's why I'm using it. But you can get that number by the finance department if they'll give it to you. If not, 100 is always a good number to go to because most of the time it's conservative. You saved 50 hours, you times it by $100 an hour equals this much money. See how I'm gonna, see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Very simple, very easy calculation. And now you can put that number on your resume. Right. Simple as that. A great trick to use. Great, very powerful trick to use to spruce up your resume. Yeah, and numbers are, 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 are huge. Um, I was talking about Ann Conberry and what she does. You've heard of the um, your uh, elevator pitch? Yes. Uh, people spend hours and years and weeks and months putting these elevator pitches together, and they get them down and where they can spew them off really quickly. And they say, I did an exceptional job doing such and such. Right. She says all the indications, all the research shows that you have just done nothing. Right. But if you say, you know, um, Saved a hundred thousand dollars in my last company a year by doing this, or uh, I can I know how to get you. Instead of saying I'm a social media expert, I can get your company a thousand leads a week. That's right. Boom! Also, your brain turns on to a number, and it all and, and now you're you're actually listening. So okay, I, I listen. I don't want to stop you guys, but this stuff doesn't even interest me, let alone a veteran. I'm a machinist mate for the last three years. I'm I'm, I'm due out in, in another year. I, I just got out in the street. I got to get a job. I don't have numbers. I don't even know what numbers you're talking about. How does it relate to a – I mean, I would say probably 90% of the kids that are coming out that are out of work are, are kids that have, you know, they got a family, they got whatever, and they don't have all these things, these skills, these numbers. Yeah. They, they don't know what you're talking about. Is okay, it is so detailed enough in the book? Yeah, let, let's take your example of a machinist mate, Bob. Okay. So you're a machinist mate, and you know when you're in the military, you're probably working 12-hour shifts, and most of the time you're working seven days a week. Mm-hmm. And your commander is always telling you, we got to reduce cycle time, meaning that you have to do X amount of work and X amount of time in order to get this stuff out. There you go. And, and they always have, always, your commander always has goals as we got to reduce the time that it costs to fix this or to machine this or to do this. That's all they harp on all the time. So what you can do is basically take your team, let's say it's your machinist mate and you're with four or five other machinists mate and you guys are functioning as a team and your commander said you got to get this cycle time down by this percent or you have to do this job in, in eight hours. It's got to be done. There's your numbers. That's what you can say. I was part of a team, and the goal was this is what my, my job was. The commander or my boss came to me and said, listen, we're going to have to do it faster. We're going to have to do it more accurately. We're going to have to do it um, more of them per time. And that's where you come in and you say, this is what I was involved with. Here are the numbers. 
If you don't have any, or Bob, if you don't have any numbers, if you don't have this, you know, say your team didn't do anything, they didn't, right. they didn't fix it. You don't, you don't mention it. It's, it's mainly about um, how are you writing a resume that's going to, that's going to uh, have punch and pop, and that people are going to look at, and not to see the same resume over and over again on their desk. Right, and, but I do, and I agree guy. with you, J.W., but I do understand his point because his point is if you're a machinist made coming out, you have no idea how to, how to work the numbers. But in the book, exactly. it actually... Uh, if you're in the military, yeah. and the beauty of being in the military is that everybody's been detailed and trained to do just what you're talking about, but these kids don't have a clue how to put it down. So right. uh, if, it's, if it's in plain English and it's detailed well in the book, then you've got something great. Of course, at the point at which there's two million kids with the same resume out there, I'm not quite sure that that's any better, but it, it, at least, at least the, the, they'll get recognized to some degree because they have these little tips on their resume. Well, can we both agree that the, the machinist mate that doesn't have the tips will not be as likely to be passed to the next part of the process as a machinist mate with the numbers? No question. No question. And that's the Again, point. that's great information, and I just wanted to make sure that we kept relating it to these to the kids no, that are coming out there. No, I want you to keep doing that. Yeah, that's n- what not I the want. guy that's been, not the guy that's like JW and Old Salt that that's got a resume <laughs> that's a mile long. You know, right. a kid that's you know, I got out of high school or just got out of high school by the skin of my teeth, went into the military. Now I'm 24 years old, did my six years, maybe went to Iraq, who knows, and I'm out there looking for a job, and I I really don't have much worldly experience. I'm I'm horrible with interpersonal skills because I've been listening to some sergeants scream at me for six years, and now I go into a, a situation where, I'm trying to impress upon somebody that I can take orders, and that's not what cuts it in the civilian world. Well, no, I guess so, Bob. The good you news know? is is that he's got two pages of examples. He explains it first, and he gives two pages of examples. That's exactly right. So, so when you yeah, read it, it you can like tell me whether or not I did a good job on that. But you know what J.W. said in the very beginning of this conversation when he read the book? Uh, it's an easy read, and it's an easy read on purpose. I want to speak as if, J.W., and you tell me whether you think this is right or not. It, when you read the book, does it seem like somebody's just sitting in the room talking to you? Yeah, you know, uh, it, it does. And one of the yeah. things I really liked was the um, the parts uh, that you highlighted uh, where you go ahead and you write the uh, chapter, and then right. you do a highlighted part which asks questions about it right. and answers them. Yep. So, so you're not just putting out the information. You're absolutely. You're, you're actually asking yourself some pertinent FAQs. And that's uh, the cool thing about Bob's example is that if somebody has absolutely no clue what they're doing, um, if they come and just read the book, one, they're going to be able to get through it and understand it well enough to implement. But two, they're going to know how to implement it because I give them a step-by-step procedure and examples. Well, you know, right. seriously, and, I mean, you think and, something like this, Bob, or, or Mark? Yeah. Let's let's say that you you implemented forty percent or thirty percent of what Mark talks about in this book. Right. Believe me, implement the whole thing, and you're and he's, and it's going to do just what the, the the cover says. Veterans do this, get hired. Yeah. End of story. But if you just did thirty percent of this, your 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 I think your chance rate goes way up. 
well, you're 30% better than everybody else. <laughs> right. It does. It, it makes it go up significantly. You're right, and I appreciate you you saying that, JW, is that, um, listen, nobody's going to read a book and do exactly every single thing, although I'm hoping they do because it gives them closer to a job. But uh, even if you even if you implement some of it, you're a lot better off than implementing none of it. And then that, okay. that, that gives us a perfect segue into um, uh, talking about the uh, employers having everybody apply online. Yeah, so I'll uh, I'll ask Bob this one and see if he knows JW because I know you read the book and, uh, mm-hmm. and so you know all the answers now. But um, Bob, um, so what do you think the primary reason is? The 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 outlying reason that employers want and even force everybody to go and apply online. Pre-screening. You would think, right, pre-screening. It's not. That's a secondary reason. It's a good reason, and it's definitely a benefit, but it's not the primary reason why they set that up. Okay. What is it? And I've gone out to... Uh, to pres- and I've presented this information across the country in many different venues, and I can tell you there's only been one time when somebody has answered the question right. It was actually happened quite recently, and it was a college professor. The number one reason why companies make you go and apply online and actually force you to do it is so that they can limit their liability. So let me explain this a little bit to your audience, because this is a very salient uh, point in the book. Companies, big companies, let's say, they want to create a system that treats everybody equal. And the reason they want to do that, every company actually does, but big companies have the money to develop their own system. Create everything equal so that no matter what color you are, no matter what gender you are, no matter what, you know, if you put a religious affiliation on your resume, it doesn't matter. Everybody is the same at one point, so everybody gets the same treatment. Now, why is that important? Because if somebody comes back and sues the company and says, listen, I didn't get hired because I'm a certain color or because I was a specific gender or I put this on my resume or my first name is Muhammad, right? If I don't get hired and go back and sue that company and say, well, why wasn't I hired? It's a built-in defense, meaning that the company said, what are you talking about? Every single person is treated exactly equal. So you can't sue us. We have a defense in place. We'll easily be able to win that. Now, the argument against my point is always, Mark, uh, that's great and everything, but small companies, they don't do that. They don't, they don't care about lawsuits. I said, what are you talking about? Big companies, they lose a lawsuit. They pay a lot of money out and they go on. Small companies, they lose a lawsuit and they shut the door. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm that's saying? Better. That's why that's smaller companies are actually using third parties like CareerBuilder and Monster and um, uh, Vet Jobs and stuff like that so that they do the screening part of it so they don't have the liability. Do you see how that works? That's why that's important good. is if you understand why they're doing it that way, now you under you should be able to understand, and I explain it to you, how to counteract it. Because if everybody's vanilla and the, and the system is set up so that everybody, no one can really stand out, then how do you ever stand out? That's a very good point. Very good point. So in this chapter, we talk about the seven critical steps of how you actually use the strength 
that they have, their vanilla system, their standardized system. Let's use this against them. And now here's the neat thing. Veterans, when they learn this, are especially good at it. And the reason is because they've all been taught tactical things, things that are tactical, that when your enemy makes a move, it's like a chess game. When your enemy makes a move, you make a counter move. Well, when you take a look at it that way and say companies now have made their chess move, now you have to make a different move. One of the things that I start off the chapter with is do not follow the directions. And I know that that always, especially when I go and I talk to people that are mentoring young people, they always wince because everybody's, especially in the military, as you follow orders to the letter. Mm-hmm. And what I'm telling you is don't follow the directions, at least not to one point. So let me explain that. When you have that base resume that we talked about, the one that you created, and you want to go to apply online to a job, you're applying to a specific job that has some specific skills and knowledge and years of experience that they want you to have, your resume needs to completely change, meaning that you have to, this is the term that I, that I put it, is I say you have to reverse engineer your resume. You have to first part of the step is go in and actually don't don't do the directions don't don't apply don't make a profile go in and print out the job print out the job description print it out take a highlighter highlight the keywords and phrases that they're using to describe skills knowledge level of experience right years of experience take those keywords and phrases and incorporate them back into your resume and then you're ready to follow the directions and go and apply. Do you see what I'm saying? I do, but I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate Please again because that's one of the things I like doing. Yes, I um, love that too. So here I am. Again, I'm, I'm this poor schnook that uh, barely got out of high school. Yep. Uh, uh, six years later, yep. didn't have to do all that much reading, and yep. now you're telling me to go reverse engineer uh, a resume that for the most part I wrote well, I was sitting at, you know, Denny's, uh, and it's on a napkin. Uh, and how do I, I mean, I, again, I'm not going to say that the veterans are illiterate. They're not. Yeah. But, but the vast majority are kids that don't have a great deal of writing skills. Yes. Um, only exacerbated by this, the, the texting and, and nonsense. So how do they take a resume and not make it look like they plagiarized <laughs> what they got from the website? Because that's what most would do. They would just take it and spit it back on the page like they did in high school to pass their tests. Yeah, How do they get around that? Thing. Here, well, first of all, I want to tell you, Bob, that I actually addressed that issue in the book where let's say they're starting off with no resume. They have no idea how to, how to write a resume or anything. I actually addressed that and say there's a hundred different places. You know, That's the good thing about online is that online you can see resumes for yourself. You can buy a resume book. Well, you know, just take a look at your your buddy's resume who got it done. You know, the VA and, and, and the, uh, when, you, when you leave the military, they usually ag- give you access to get uh, resume writing experience. So everybody that gets out should either have the resume already in their hand or should at least know a place where they can go to get an example resume and to essentially just fill their stuff in. It's very easy to get that first base resume. Okay. okay. And I've addressed that problem. But the, the second thing is 
the seven steps are very clear of what you have to do. When, you're, when you just said all they're going to do is plagiarize, that's what we want them to do. But controlled and strategic plagiarism, and I don't even like to use that term. You know what it is? It's taking your experience and it's seeing what they want in the words that they choose. And then what it's doing is adapting your resume and your experience within the resume to utilize the words that they're using. That's it. It's all you're doing is changing the language of your experience to match the language that they're asking for your experience in. That's it. But we have okay. to re- remember, we have to remember, Bob, and, um, that we're talking about applying online. So if you're applying, let's, uh, not to say anything about Monster or any of these other companies, but yeah. take a company that is <clears throat> taking these resumes in, and they're going to hand the employer the ones that match up most, most closely to the job. That's right. They don't go in and they don't get critical and, uh, nope. uh, you know, and judgmental about that information. The, one that, the ones that match the most complete are the ones that get sent on. And I know as a hirer, when I was looking at stacks of resumes, uh, I would look at my job description and what I asked for, and the ones that most closely matched went to the top of the pile, and the rest went to the bottom. I, yeah, I only got right. critical. I understand later that. On. that. That and gets you past step one. Yes, no. And our goal is to get them, uh, you know, but the, the goal is to get them a job, not to just get them past monster.com. No, but well, that, remember your resume, a great Bob, point. Only get you only gets you the interview. Right. So we're not right. See, here's yet. the. That's the thing. There's really, you know, to break this whole job thing down, I like to make it extremely simple. You know what it is? It's two steps. You know what the first step is? Getting the employers to notice you so they'll call you and give you an interview. Second step, doing so well in the interview, they give you a job offer. Done. That's it. Two steps. Now, of course, there's many steps in, 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 there's uh, several steps involved in in getting to that point. You've got to have some skills. But, Bob, I get your point. You're saying, yeah, but that only gets them past the gatekeeper, essentially. Even if they follow the seven steps, all that does is it gets them into the pile where they're going to be looked at, right? Well, that's exactly what the chapter was about. You've got to get over that hurdle in order to get to the next hurdle, else you'll never get an interview. And you okay. mentioned, Mark, in there, the possible hitch, where you kind of explain that uh, people have questioned you on this many times. The people have questioned me on this many times, and they basically said, well, Mark, um, then what's to prevent me from just taking my resume and cutting and pasting all the keywords in my resume, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. the answer is nothing prevents you from doing that, but let me tell you what happens. And you will fool most of the computer systems, whereas in it, it will spit you out on the other side as a yes, but then what happens is an actual person looks at your resume, and right. they see that that's all you've done is, is right. cut and paste, and then they put you in the no pile anyway. Okay. My well, that, way, was my, that was my point. Was it, it, It's one thing to get them through the gatekeeper. It's right. another thing to get them... You know, to the point where the guy's going to look at their resume again. But now remember, when I, when I, in my seven steps that I tell them, I tell them to incorporate throughout their resume. It's not just cutting and pasting. It's actually using those keywords and phrases that they're, that's in the job description and matching it to their job skills and making sure throughout their resume they're using it. It's okay. not just a cut and paste kind of a thing. Okay, because good. then, then they'll be thrown out. So you, you have a, a really good point, but I can tell you this that I have had, this is not out of the ordinary, I have had and helped vets and professionals and college students that have applied to over 
100 different jobs and have never gotten called, never. And the reason they haven't gotten called is because they took that base resume that we talked about and they followed the directions and all they did is say, oh, yeah, I like this job, and they uploaded that base resume to 100 positions the same way. They never changed it to match the job and they never got called. Right. I actually have a a friend that does recruiting, and one of the things he has mentioned about the military specifically, and if any of the vets that are listening understand that the recruiters are not stupid, and one of the things that he's constantly saying is it's one thing that the vets need jobs. It's another thing that they don't really want jobs. They've, they've been through a military career where they've never had to, they never had to want for anything. Right. Uh, and, and now they're in a position where they don't know how to say, hey, I really want a job, as opposed to I just need a job. And if you just need a job, then you're not going to follow through and do all the things that you're supposed to do, that the book tells you to do. So those are the kids that are going to, Listen to this tape, and that's what I'm afraid of, is they would listen to what we're saying here, and they would just cut and paste. And, and I wanted to make sure that they understand. When you want a job, you're going to do more. You're going to, you're going to find tools that will help you with the resume, this tool, beyond this tool. You're going to listen to what's in the book and, and, and really follow through because you want to get a job, not just because you need it. We know you're right. there because you need it, but you need to want it. There's more to it because there's a million others out there that want it more than you. So you need to do what needs to be done. Well, and I warned in that chapter, and I specifically state that if you think you can cut and paste, you are going to get thrown out. You're wasting everybody's time, including your own. Thank you for listening to the Networking Fools Show featured on the Networking Fools website at www.networkingfools.com. Networking Fools is the property of Fools Media Group. Networking Fools, Networking Fool, Network Fool are trademarks of Fools Media Group, LLC. And this audio is copyright 2010 and all rights are reserved.